Welcome, everybody. This is The Zero Hour. A podcast about life's critical moments. This is your co-host, Mark Fiertz. And I'm Christine Chapman. We are welcoming the Honorable Tisha Buss. And for y'all who do not know the Honorable Tisha Buss, she was a Broadway, like for real, Manhattan, on Broadway, dancer, choreographer, author. uh, Chef extraordinaire. Chef extraordinaire. And... Uh, retreat. Uh, she owns a retreat in Plymouth, Vermont. And wait until you hear what her latest venture is next on The Zero Hour. Yay. We are welcoming today uh, Tesha Buss, Christine. Do you, you know Tesha, don't you? Tesha and I have been friends for a number of years now. And I met her through her amazing retreat house in Vermont. Good comments, right? Good comments. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, for those who don't know who this spe- very special guest is, uh, maybe you've seen her on Broadway, like in New York. Uh, she very was, possible. Yeah. She was uh, a dancer, a choreographer, right? Uh, literally on Broadway at the Winter Garden Theater on 53rd Street. Um, nice detail, Mark. Thank you, because I used to work right across the street. Um, Tesha was also, or is, an author. Jesus, really? Yes. Chef extraordinaire. Chef extraordinaire. Um, real estate owner. Entrepreneur. Uh, and her latest and one of her most prevalent and, and interesting moves is a uh, politician, the uh, Vermont state rep. Yes, folks. So we are talking to the Honorable oh, Tisha I'm, I'm sorry. Bus. The Honorable Tesha Bus uh, at your service. We are your, not your constituent, but maybe one day. Um, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. That's an amazing <laughs> I especially like the honorable part. Like, when I hang out with you, when I go to Vermont and see you, when you come walking into a room, I'm just going to have the trumpets and go, ladies and gentlemen, the honorable. Yes. Tesha yes. Bus. Because I think you deserve that. You know, it, there's nothing you haven't accomplished that you have set your mind to, and it's an inspiration for people. For women, for entrepreneurs, for everyone, honestly, like you, you speak to the masses and we're happy to have you. Thank you. Tish, I'm so proud of you. you You Go, girl. (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to put you on the spot right away, Tish. Let's get into it. So, you know, the zero hour is about life's critical moments, right? Pivotal experiences that sort of take you from one place to another. And I know of a big one um, that I would love for you to chat about in terms of that zero hour moment that was yours, Tish, that literally changed the scope of your life. What was it? When was it? And how has your life unfolded as a result? All right. Well, I'm going to start with saying that when I was a kid, I always knew what I wanted to do, which was to be a dancer. So as soon as I finished dancing on Broadway, I was sort of, I thought, I looked up and I was like, so what next? 
And so many of my theater friends said, what do you mean what's next? You're on Broadway. You could do more Broadway shows and more choreographing. And, and I did all of that, but it wasn't next. It wasn't that next thing. And so I had this dream that I, and, it, and I, was, I, w- I was waking up, I heard, and then you will open a retreat center. And I thought, well, I don't normally get directives from my dreams, so perhaps I should pay attention to this one. And it just kind of sat in the back of my mind. And I recognized what I would need to do to make this happen. I kept writing lists and if, any, if, if I could do anything with unlimited amounts of money, what would I do? And this was still it. So I, I did the Anthony Robbins personal power series. That kind of solidified everything for me. And then I came up to Vermont to visit a friend, saw the house, knew it was nine, went to four different banks. And because the well was potentially contaminated or they didn't know they dug it in 1963 and they didn't they didn't know so they assumed the house was unlivable so the bank process was really challenging and I couldn't I couldn't get enough money to buy the house and then to do the first stage of renovation so a friend that uh, someone who became a friend of mine joined my plight here um, just very interested peripherally and by the end of 45 days he privately financed me, but I also had to borrow $100,000 off my credit card so that I could buy the house and do the first oh round of renovations. Oh, my God, Tisha. Okay, so that takes a lot of, like, courage, right? And, and like, how do you how do you just throw everything down there? Were you, were you single at the time? Were you just in that space where you knew? Was there another dream that told you it was going to happen? Or was it just sheer will? At that point, sheer will. Amazing. There was always the, there was always that little magical tie to the fact that I met someone and him and his wife loaned me money um, to basically a stranger. Uh, that tithed me because he, he looked at me and said, I will invest in you. You're going to be a good thing for our town and for our community and for our state. And you have become all of that and more, Tish. Oh, thank you. Well, maybe. I mean, that, that, that speaks volumes to who you are as a person where the bank, you know, doesn't trust the well or whatever – whatever they, they, they explain to you, but like a private investor uh, who you knew for six weeks or so was just like, yeah, uh, she's got the vision, she's got the belief, and she's got the commitment, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, do you, as a result of that, do you try to help others in that way as well? You know, is that is that something that was this – come to Jesus moment where man, this almost this complete stranger has given me all this money. Um, have you given others a shot like at something similar or have, have you overextended yourself because of a good feeling about someone? Has that happened to you yet? Oh, for sure. I overextend myself for a lot of people, but most certainly for my employees. I mean, I'm their financial planners when, um, Almost all my employees are part-time because they have other 
passions they like to pursue here. And so we, we a lot of us have double income so that we can have a, a summer and a winter thing. And so with that means that they sometimes need help with their landscape gardening business or um, their jewelry design business. And yeah, so sometimes I do get myself too far out there um, because I, I, they're worth it to me. They, I value them. I'm the bank for, yeah, I'm the bank for their car loans. I'm the bank for their, oh gosh, COVID hit us and we have three kids. And I have kids going to college soon. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. I got two. And, and I guess, the bank and one might go to UVM. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so, you know, there are so many aspects to who you are and, and, and how we connected, Tish, that inspire me in so many different ways. But, you know, like the fact that you decided you were going to write a book, that you decided you were going to buy this property, that, you know, Mark and I in a previous episode talked a little bit about passion. And what was it that you said, Mark, that that passion is... Oh, passion is detectable. Detectable. Like, you feel it. It's a vibe. That's what all the young kids say. They talk about vibes, right? Yeah. But passion is detectable. You can be in a room with someone and know that they have passion. It's like a sense they give off. And that's Tish. Yeah. To a T. Yeah. 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 Like... I mean, you can hear it in her voice, yeah, right? Yeah. You know? The excitement. Yeah. And you know what? That investor probably invested because you were so passionate about this vision and you had so much faith in it that it was contagious right and look at where it's come can you talk about the vision for the cookbook sure um so the heart of every home including a retreat home is its kitchen everyone comes into the kitchen to solve life's greatest problem um that's just when you break bread with people they have become family even if it's just for that short moment and that's the reason why a lot of people come to Good Commons. They are um, healing from something. They need a break from life. They're gonna. It, it's all about feeding yourself energetically, and then obviously with produce and <laughs> beautiful food. Um, so that's that was the impetus. Was let's sit and write out the stories of how this place came into being. And how those story, how that story informed the food that we put on the table. We had bus snacks because back then I had a transport. I, I bought a couple of buses to get people from New York City up here. Um, so that that's part of it. We would picnic out to the lake or to different farms, and that became a different part of our cuisine. And then we would try these tasting dinners and. You know, so some of our food was more fancy. Um, we just kind of threw every cuisine option and experience that we could and packed it into those first five years. And that's essentially what the book was and is. And what is the book called, Tish? The book is called Uncommonly Good. Oh. Sold at Barnes and Noble? Uh, it's sold only online. sold online. Amazon. It's only sold on Amazon.com. And at my place of business here Perfect. in Vermont. Now, now, would people be able to go to goodcommons.com and buy the book, or are they better off looking at Amazon.com? 
Um, you can go straight to our website, goodcommons.com, and then there's a, a banner at the top of it. And then you can learn more about what we do here, these great retreats. So, so tell us, what do you do there? Well, predominantly we host yoga retreats, but we also have retreats in yoga and knitting or um, small-scale weaving. Or college counseling boot camps for a nonprofit called the College Access Project. Just needing to put a plug in there. <laughs> I think you should, and thank you for doing so. Um, yes, basically, we are a very open and inviting space for whatever it is the meeting or group needs to be. We provide all the food so you can come and never leave and then go home at the end of your time, or you can come and experience all the little cute shops that are all around our little area in between Killington and Osceola Ski Mountains and Woodstock, Vermont. So that is, that's the lay of the land. And when you, it is a very relaxed sort of like um, older, well, it's an 1840s home. Um, it was the general store in town for 150 or 100 plus years for sure. And we have a little advertisement in the back of our dining room. Um, and this is where Calvin Coolidge, President Coolidge, and his father came to pay their road taxes back in the day. That's interesting. And there was an option for you to be able to work off your taxes if you couldn't pay them. Really? Do you still have that option? <laughs> Can I work off a retreat by cooking? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, that would, would not be safety. I was like, what would be the rate of pay? I think a lot of people yes, might do they it. Would do it. In a heartbeat. Oh, Tish. Yeah. So you're this you're this dancer, not like this, like dancer of a major Broadway show, right? I guess we could talk about it. We'll, we can name it later if we want to. Um, moved to Vermont, which personally is my happy place, right? right. Um, Killington area, right, was kind of raised on a mountain skiing. My dad used to take me to Killington Peak and push me down a hill. <laughs> um, and then Good Commons, and then your book, and uh, I'm sorry, The Honorable. Um, <laughs> what are we up to these days? Like, what's, what's, new in your, what's new in your world, The Honorable Tesha Bus? Well, this, uh, in May of 2022... I was asked by some, by the, our senator and by the current state representative if I would consider running for office because he was going to run for lieutenant governor. So I turned to them and I said, I look, you guys, I don't know anything about politics. I mean, I know nothing. I don't read the paper every day. I don't listen to the news every day. I, I mean, I might make a fool out of myself here. And Charlie uh, Kimball, who I eventually, now I have his seat, he said, Tisha, it doesn't matter. You are a business owner. You are on the ground here. You you know so much about the daily ins and outs of Vermont, and that's what we need in the House of Representatives. We don't, we don't need somebody who reports to CNN. Yeah. I love so, that. So um, I was like, okay. So, of course, since then, I've started reading the paper, like multiple papers. <laughs> 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 I am trying to do the biggest crash course in um, history and what's been in the news for the last 10 or 15 years. Um, but he's right, though. I do have a lot of experience. I, I am constantly finding 
that um, somebody will come with a bill or uh, some issue that they're having, and I have some sort of tangential experience with it. You know, I the church where I grew up was switched over to geothermal, and my dad was integral in that process because he was on the church council. Um, you know, I'll know somebody, um, you know, that is passionate about private school or, um, you know, super random details about permitting, of course, because I've permitted lots of businesses and I know childcare and I know, um, you know, IEPs in education. And so there is, it, it's kind of mind blowing to realize, oh, wow, I was asked to do this because I do know a lot. And then you sit there and the body of information that you learn from testimony and all the reports is extraordinary. And you could go from feeling like you know everything to feeling like you know literally nothing in seconds. It is such a humbling, a beautifully humbling experience Mm. to be in the legislature. Like, you have to be strong to be considered and take on that responsibility, like strong-willed, strong emotionally, strong professionally. Like there's a few people, like I, I, you're the only one I know, the Honorable. Um, I, I, I Listen, I, uh, I don't know if the average Joe or Joan, you know, has it in them to take that, like that's a leap. Like that's, in my humble opinion, that's another zero hour, right? That is another critical moment because, listen, you 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 develop this cookbook out of good comments, right? Everyone's breaking breaking bread together. Like, what's what's the offshoot of your political career, right? Is it another office? Is it like, is it going into a nonprofit to helping kids and schools, right? But she's already done that too. Okay, I'm, I, yeah, but I don't, I don't know where I'm getting at. But is it, is it like, can you further that? Can Tisha, you, Tisha for president? Oh, 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 oh. Potentially, that is, uh, that's a lot. Um, so, <laughs> not you know, I've been saying it since you ran for office. <laughs> I would definitely get caught with someone knowing I don't read the news that I have, that I spent most of my life not watching the news. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want that job, honestly. No, honestly, no. me too. I wouldn't want me that too. job. Hell no. But I mean, maybe maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need people who haven't read the newspapers like so. We had early. one. He's no longer in. <laughs> we had that already. You see where it got us? Jesus. Got it. Got it. All right. Yes. yes. Not promoting that. <laughs> Well, I do. In all seriousness, all in all seriousness, the responsibility that you have of, of managing the funds for the entire state. Each of us has a vote, even though the appropriations co- committee is sitting there, you know, pounding on that budget. We still have committees where we feed our personal, uh, our committee's uh, personal passions. You know, is it adult education? Is it, um, you know, uh, mentoring for kids? Is it outright Vermont? All of us contribute to being the stewards of our state. And that is yep. an extraordinary responsibility that, that I do not take lightly at all. And so to, to elevate that 
um, man, that requires some stepping stones, I think, if you want to do it in a very conscious way. Because um, you don't want to get yourself overwhelmed, and you want to make sure that you understand those systems so well. And I don't, I, I, it, it, yeah, it's fascinating to think about what the kind of preparation it takes to move up into leadership within the, the house. It, it, it's a lot. It's a lot to take on. That, so there is another responsibility that I know is really hard to take on as a fellow parent. And you were, you know, you were a single co-parenting mom, but you were, you were a single mom. And can we speak to, to that and the commitments that you have made to the state and juggling the responsibility, not only of being all that you are as an entrepreneur, as a politician, but as a really dedicated and, you know, loving mom. It is, it is a lot. Um, you know, my, uh, Izzy's dad was pretty flexible and allowed, um, a change in the schedule. So I have, is yep. I have my daughter on the weekends and, uh, I have lots of folks that come in and help me, whether it's uh, a friend that might be able to, to pick her up if it's a, a night that I have an event that I have to go to yep. right after yep. school. Um, I have another um, wonderful young lady who takes her to gymnastics class for me. And I have a wonderful young woman that I took on as a home share so that um, on the nights that I'm gone, I have someone to take care of my cats and keep an eye on the place and um, and help me with little tasks. So it is literally taking quite the village to, to help me uh, with my hopeful success in serving our state. Does does your does your daughter realize, like who mom is, like right now, especially in this in this political environment? Because um, that's not like every kid in her school, mother or father is a politician, right? right. Like. Does she understand that yet, or or is she too young for that still? I don't think she understands that. I think she understands there's some sort of level of importance, um, but I don't think she knows how that actually manifests. You know, every once in a mm -hmm. while she'll say, um, well, why, why is it like that? That should be different. And I said, well, that is what I do. If you say mm -hmm. that that's right. a state law and it should be different, then that's what I do. People give me that feedback, and then I create the law with, uh, you know, 181 other people. Mm -hmm. 180. Okay. Yeah. So wow. I think, you know, she's starting to get little bits and bobs. Um, but a part of it is is great that she she sees me as just mom and not and not that, but she she's always laughing at me in my fancy clothes. You know, I'm usually a cook. Yeah. Uh, ever since I moved to Vermont, yeah. I'm outside painting houses and doing construction work, yeah. And yeah. cooking, and grease is all over me and paints all over me. And then I wear these fancy clothes. She's like, "What this? <laughs> uh, who is that? Who are you, mom? Yeah. That's awesome." You know, I I I think that that speaks well to. Humility, right? I, listen, humility is like one of these things that you either have it or you don't, right? You're self-aware or, or you aren't, right? You're pompous or you're not, right? Um, and, you know, I think there's – I think it is the – the these people are the anomaly, right? They are – they're not the populace 
being transparent and being humble and being, you know, it's it's I, like I use this word one percent, like like the one percent of people that you know see things a little differently, right? And if you're in a position to make change, that's awesome, right? And you can make that change and you can encourage others and you can be a role model for other women, right? Um, be a role model for your for your state, and you know, a role model for your kids, a role model for your kids, especially, right? Yeah, shit, that's what you do. Tish, yeah, I'm going to take you on a different question. Okay. It's related, right? So, <clears throat> we're talking about kids. We're talking about your work um, on so many different levels, and. And role modeling, um, as somebody who has seen a lot, somebody who has taken many leaps, what advice do you have to share with our kids' generation, the next generation? The biggest thing I would say to a kid is discipline. You know, um, I I can't remember who said it was 80% of success is showing up. And then Woody Allen changed that, I think, to like 90% or 92% or something. Um, it, that is absolutely for sure. It, I see so many people say, oh, I, you know, I wish I could do that. And all of us can. But to assume that it's going to be easy um, or that because the, the beginning might even for me was, was um I didn't even consider my beginning challenging, even though looking back for mortgages, that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know, I didn't say no to that. Yeah. Um, but it takes a lot of grit to keep coming back every day. And you have to figure out how you are going to self-motivate. Because yeah. Nobody does that for you. So, you know, you may need to hire a life coach to get through that if that's not natural to you. But that is what my tumbling and down like a gymnastics and dance background, it's all about discipline. Yeah. And you show up and you make these teeny tiny changes every day. So um, in a way, that performing career prepared me for being an entrepreneur, like something I've never, yeah, I mean, it, foundationally, that was incredibly important. Now, dealing with your fear is a whole other ball of wax. And, and that is where my spiritual practices came in the most. And that is when I realized, or I, I realized how much I had leveraged myself with, with my friend who gave me that loan, or you recognize um, I could not be shamed by failing. And so that was a fuel for success. So that's what I call positive anxiety. Um, you, you're anxious about it, but there's, it's, it's keeping the fuel um, going in that direction. Now, after a while, you have to, you know, switch that out because you don't need that positive level of anxiety at all stages in a creative process. You kind of need it to get going. You know, that's so funny that you talk about this positive anxiety because I I have been thinking about this and, and this is like totally, well, it's, it's related, but it's kind of unrelated. So I'm obsessed with Jay Shetty. Do you know Jay Shetty? The Mindful Monk? I don't know who Jay the, the Mindful okay. Monk, right? So, so yes, he's okay. the Mindful Monk, and he is now like this crazy life coach, and he's come out with a couple of books. The newest one is is like the – it's about love, 
right? And he talks about love. And he talks about that spark and how people say the spark is gone. And he talks about how the spark is nervousness, right? Like liking someone and not being sure, if that person likes you back and that tension, right, that comes, that anxiety that comes that sort of propels you forward and then realizing that once that spark, quote unquote, diminishes, it's actually not the spark that is gone, but the stress level around the uncertainty that allows for for that spark to to be alive, right? And I just think it's so interesting how we we do find that it is these tense moments and that stress that comes sometimes through uncertainty that inspires like that fear and having to overcome that fear that inspires you and propels you forward, right? Absolutely. It's so you know, interesting. People all the time. Yeah, people all the time ask me like, "Oh, don't you love games so much?" and I'm like, I actually don't love games because I the the game of life is the best game of all. That's so true. It is. It's that, fun. That that whole spark analogy you just did. I've never heard it described like that. I hadn't either. But when when I was first coming up in my sales career, right? I'm a way different person than I am today than I was. I was so nervous and I had so much anxiety that I have that I would have to speak in front of a group of people that I was that I would get nauseous, right? But once I was air quotes on stage, right? Once it was my turn to present, I was fine, right? The spark allowed me to be nervous and then and to push forward and then push forward and then be fine again. Right. And it took me years, and I still get a little nervous. Big meetings, so on and so forth. But that's I've never heard it described like that. It's it's interesting. Yeah. Last question. Are you ready? Yes. Is there Maybe. anything that you're not good at, Tish? Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, the list is long. Um, I'm horrible at sales and contracts and minute details. Um, I just attached the wrong version of an article that I wrote for the paper. I attached the first draft instead of the last draft. Excellent. And it went into print. I'm really excited about that. Awesome. I'll help you out with that. <laughs> well, my electrician came to my house this morning and told me that he really liked it. So there like, you okay, go. Well, hey, you know what? Bad. I believe that we are exactly where we're supposed to be, even when we make mistakes like that. And yay. Yay. All right. Tish. The devil is in the details, and that is my devil. I'm not a details person either. I'm a, I'm a, you know I'm what? a big picture I, person, I, too. I find that hard to believe that because you two are two entrepreneurial women who are somewhat type A, right? And when I say type A, I mean structured and organized, yep. right? But within structure and organization, there's detail. Like, for example, this is, this is just like maybe off, off topic a little bit. When we were preparing for, you know, Tisha today and others, um, 
I basically freestyle, and you have the details, Christine, of like what you like. Christine's got a laptop up, open, open. Yeah. I haven't sat down in three hours, and I'm just pacing, right? Um, and I'm listening to what it is you're saying, and that's how I'm coming up with my with my questions. Like that's how I've always been, though. Like I have my guardrails. I know what I want to talk about. I know what I want to get get across, but. I don't structure myself, and, and Christine, you definitely do. I, I, I need a general structure, but, but I can't get into little but tiny But that's detail. That's, yeah, that's I guess. Detail. I guess. All right, rant over. All right. <laughs> Tasha, thank you so, so much. I cannot wait to come see you in my happy place, right? And uh, we'll, uh, all of us will go and yeah, no, I think. hang out. Um, Tish? How do we get in touch with you, right? Like for those of our guests who are like, wow, totally want to check out Good Common, totally want to, you know, want to order that book, the best the best web address? Goodcommons.com. www.goodcommons.com. And then for everything else in my life is teshabus.com. Teshabus. T-E-S-H-A-B-U-S-S dot com. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm, I'm so honored to be here, and I really think this concept of the zero hour is so important. Thank you very much, Tess. Thank you, and big hugs to Izzy. So thanks for joining us for the zero hour. I'm Christine Chapman. And this is your co-host, Mark Fiertz. Have a great week. Until next time. Until next time.